Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 141. I feel like I have to say it longhand now that it's gotten such a big number. It's more impressive that way. Um, this is for coverage of the Japanese Grand Prix from Suzuka, one of my favorite tracks. I'm Robin Warner. I am Jim Lau. I was trying to work out how many score that is. If we could be like, it's 18 score in one episode. Well, ago. So no, one hundred seven score. score. In yes. seven, seven score in one episode. This is why you're so much smarter than me. This is why you're the numbers guy. Oh, I wonder. I wonder what education. <laughs> This, this must be from you playing around in Excel. Um, so <laughs> oh, this is coverage of the Japanese Grand Prix. Which... Ed, no, I'm interrupting to tell everyone right now this is going to be a good show. So whatever you're doing right now, stop doing it and just listen. Because the, Jim and I have got a vibe going. Why wouldn't you just keep doing what you're doing and also listen to the show? I don't understand why, why our dear listeners couldn't do that. Because, because we're going to be so entertaining. It's going to require 100% of one's focus to absorb all the goodness that's coming. Wow, well, if you don't have a focus, then you better go get one, because this is going to require all of it. Step one, get a focus. So, um, this is, <laughs> Japan just happened today. Yes. Um, we had grand plans of watching it live at 2 o'clock in the morning as it was going to come on, after a wicked travel day and all kinds of nonsense. Right. Um, I think clearer heads prevailed, and here we are at a more sane hour, having watched the show, <laughs> well, tape delayed and whatever. So we missed, yes. uh, it would have been fun to uh, live, uh, you know, tweet and Facebook and hang out with everyone um, virtually as we did. Um, you well, know. yeah, the Trump card was pulled on me, and that's what kept me from watching it live. Yeah. Well, you know. Well. <laughs> so, uh, but, so it does remind, so also, of, of course, uh, f- close followers of the show will recognize that there was not a show from Korea, and this even closer followers of the show will know why, because I was out of the country, and not, you know, time zones were all screwball, and we didn't have a good way to watch or podcast together, so there was some live uh, Twittery twattering happening. And, and some... I mean, one more thing I'd add to that is, you know, years ago, Jim and I had discovered that we are much preferred as a team together and not doing anything solo, because we have tried solo things in the past, and it is unfortunate a little bit, because the Korea race turned out to be quite a good one. Well, don't spoil anything for it. Don't spoil anything. Don't spoil it for me because I haven't watched it yet. Yes. I, I listened to it on uh, BBC Five Live Radio, which I was able to get through the TV because hotels in England commonly have radio stations on TV. Hold on. Which is kind of neat. So you listened to it through the television, but the television screen itself was black or just said BBC Five on yeah, it or something, something like that. that. Yeah, because it's like all the radio stations, which there's like seven in the UK. Yes. And, you know, it's not uh, not quite the selection that you know some other countries offer, but uh, all the radio stations are pretty much available as TV channels. Um, so, so first of all, it was that. Um, so I listened to it, but it was also it wasn't it was what was it three or four in the morning or something here? I think no, it, same exact same. Okay, as time as zone. So, so it started it was at seven a.m. Two in the morning start time um, for so, Eastern time. So that would have been seven a.m. England time. Um, but on the like first day that I had just been doing the time change from America to England. And so I was in this kind of awake, kind of asleep, like the way, like I, I woke up right. in time to turn it on. I wasn't committed enough because uh, the hotel didn't have Sky F1 or whatever to watch it live. I probably could have found a pub or something that would have it on, although it's seven in the morning. So I don't know if the pubs are going to be open or someplace, you know, someplace probably would have had it, but I wasn't quite that committed to be able to like wake up and clothe myself and make it to a place to watch it. So I mean, I remember... Yeah, you'll watch Formula One at 7 in the morning, but not with clothes on. I mean, I mean let's be realistic. That is asking a lot. It is. Right. And it was, so, I, so I was trying to work out the time zones, and I wanted to do it, and I was like, oh, this is going to be great. I can tweet live. And then there was, like, no internet in this hotel. Well, anyway, there was, there's, there's issues um, <laughs> that, that needed to be resolved. That's okay, because I tweeted live on our behalf. Yeah. So sort of. I, I had this, like, you know, it just kind of kept coming in and out of being awake and asleep, and I knew, you know, Weber had the penalty, and he started 13th or whatever, and it was like, Weber's in the lead. I'm like, oh, good for him. 
I wonder why that happened. <laughs> and then I come up and I hear, oh, there's a, you know, tire explosion. And, oh, then there's a, you know, safety car and then a truck on track and whatever. And I'm like, what the heck is going on? This is just a weird dream is basically what it came down to for me. <laughs> so I did end up reading the results and whatnot. But anyway, I'll get back to that one. Uh, we may have a little bit of uh, a Korea talk uh, in the show. But mostly yeah. um, it's, it's all about uh, Japan, which has, of course, just happened. And um, ended up being kind of a cool strategy battle kind of thing. It I mean, was a different kind of race, but there was still tension. It, it yeah. was it was because a lot of times uh, the announcers will talk about, oh, there's interesting tactical tension going on, all this kind of stuff. And you're like, no, it's not. This is boring. It's like a game of chess being played out at 140 miles an hour. Ooh, but it was which would make chess a lot. But cooler. it's not that. But this time it really was. Uh, it was a top three, so it was tactical. Uh, for the win it wasn't just something that was happening in you know for the top five or something yeah and it was it was a little bit it was a little bit properly unknown because it had everything to do with pit stop strategies and tire management and how long they were going to last and all that kind of all that kind of jazz and finally i i hate to admit it but there was some conspiracy theory type of thought going on about what was happening to our friend Mark Webber. Right. So the deal was, of course, Mark Webber was on pole position, and good job for him to secure that. Excellent job. Um, as he said, it was a bit uh, empty, and I think he said empty like seven times in a row, which is a bit weird, but uh, <laughs> because Sebastian Vettel had curve problems. Right. So Vettel still said, oh, no, but good job, Mark. You know, it's no excuse. I should still be better. And Webber's like, yeah, it's cool that I'm on pole, but it's only because my boy here has curve problems. So anyway, he did get pole position, though, so that's good for him. Good one for the record, Brooks. At least he has one time, at least this year, uh, now out-qualified his teammate. Right. Um, and for pole, much more right. importantly. Right, yeah, yeah. And one pole position. So good job on that. You know, it is what it is. Um, so, and then uh, it was uh, Hamilton and Grosjean behind them. And and so it was sort of that four-way battle in the beginning. I mean, the rest of the guys weren't, weren't quite on board for the, the start and the whole deal. So... Uh, you know, the big question was, okay, how long is it going to be till Vettel gets around Weber, and how's that going to play out? But Grosjean hangs in there, man. He, he had just, just had a, a bonker start, right? And just rocketed right by them both. And, and then, and it wasn't just, you know, we've seen sometimes somebody will rocket by and something amazing will happen, and then, you know, it's a it's a bit of a flash in the old pan, as it were, and then it and then it all <laughs> falls apart. And yeah. but no, it was like the whole first stint really. Um, it was all about Grosjean, and it was really looking like you know, more and more likely like this, he could actually win this race, you know, if the, if the traffic and everything kind of comes together and, um, you know, Vettel was not throwing down 10, 20, you know, plus second leads on this. It was, it was not that, whether it was partly the curse thing or, or whatever it, it didn't, you know, it sounded like, um, it was just, you know, driving the race that he could, um, it, uh, you know, he couldn't Vettel it. Um, so he, uh, you know, so, which by the way, was so refreshing. I mean, yeah, he was struggling. He was having offs. Yeah, he was really wasn't, trying hard. Right? It wasn't, I mean, cause all right, skipping to the chase, Vettel did of course still win this race. Yes. It was five times in a row this season that he's won. It's the first time he's won five times in a row though. Oh yeah. Very mm. first time. Yeah. It works every time. Anyway, the, um, so the end result was still the same, still lackluster for a lot of people, for sure. However, the fact that it wasn't guaranteed from lap one that it was going to be Vettel's race, that is kind of different. That's what was new. That was what was fresh about Japan. And the fact that Grosjean, 
threw himself into the mix in such a brilliant way. The fact that he qualified third didn't really blip many people's radars because it's like, okay, he qualifies well, but he'll end up somewhere in the top 10 great, but whatever. Yeah, well, he's just fourth just behind Hamilton, who did pip him at the last uh, last moment there. So it was Hamilton third and Grosjean fourth. Okay, sorry. Yes. Um, but the point is is that uh, he he had he led most of this race, and he did a fantastic job. Yeah. And did end up third as well. And did you know it ends up on the podium? So it's not like it all really fell apart for him, like it did for Lewis Hamilton, who ends up twentieth with puncture damage and a retirement uh, on lap seven. So that that that's a race that you know. And from went, what we could see, okay to terrible. Very and quickly. from what we can see, it was you know it was bad luck mostly just worked out the way it did. But it was he was the one that drove it. It was his fault. Yeah, it's nothing that happened to him, really. Well, I feel like racing incident is fair. I mean, it was racing totally yeah, I don't, fair. It's, you know, how much could he have done to avoid it or whatever? You know, I don't, it wasn't anyone intentional. I mean, it was, um, you know, with with Vettel coming across and and you know this whole thing, but it was all very tight quarters. You know, turn one, lap one, um, and it wasn't anything that uh, was you know looked upon as a as a as a bad move. It was just the way things shook out, and that's unfortunate for him. So absolutely, I, I completely agree with you. Just what the one thing I wanted: don't let. Uh, Hamilton supporters say that he got taken out by it wasn't Vettel's fault or anything like that. You know what I mean? That's my point. And it was neither Grosjean nor Maldonado that, that took him out. Very if, true. In, in quotes. So you know, I think either way, it's uh, not really going to be an issue. Um, so yeah, so we had Grosjean. Um, I'm not not entirely like dominating, but really doing a very very strong performance. I mean, he was setting fastest laps. It wasn't uh, there was there was a later point where then he, you know he's making his car wider and harder to deal with and whatever. But the whole crux of the race here was Weber coming to pit very very early for his first stop. I mean, that, right. then it was um, no chance of making it a two stop. It had to be three stop at that point. And I don't do we know why if that was Weber's call or the team's call to bring him in? I didn't see anything that suggested it was anything other than the team's call. You know, but it seems to me. Based on reading in between the lines of the interview on the podium, that it was that Weber Weber was sticking to the original strategy, and that Vettel wanted to go off strategy and go outside the box a little bit because Grosjean got into the mix as much as he did. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. So maybe it was Weber just kind of saying, "Oh, whatever. This is a strategy. We'll do it." Maybe. Maybe the team encouraged him and he fought back. We don't know. But it definitely seemed like an early early time for Weber to come into the pits, considering that Grosjean was out for another two or three laps and Vettel was out for another lap or so after that. Um, this I'm talking about the first pit stop. Round. Yeah. And, and uh, then the second round of pit stops made it seem even more suspicious, frankly. So mm, I don't know. Yeah, well, I feel like the, the first um, – and there was a, an interview uh, with with Mark and Christian Horner and whatever after the race, and it sort of said, well, once we did the first stop, um, you know, they couldn't recover from that. They couldn't then say, oh, we're going to keep up and we're going we're gonna to do this. It was then like that – just the timing and the way that – how long the tires last uh, meant that that was the key. So I was trying to, you know, work out what the deal was there. So either way, um, I mean, the good news is, um, it was, you know, Weber was still able to hold on. You know, in second place, obviously, is not so bad. 
Um, so it wasn't that he then ended up finishing 14th or something and had some, you know, languishing in the back. You know, it's still to get some strong results. Obviously, the win would have been great to be able to win over Sebastian Vettel. And, you know, as he's, you know, rounding out the end of the season, the end of his F1 career to have, a, you know, another victory, a victory this season would be huge. Of course. So and this Absolutely. is then this is not that. But to still but to be on the podium to to, you know, sort of still be out there. And, uh, and, you know, still, I guess it's it's not going out with a bang, but it's not a whimper either. So it's, you know, he's it, still it, doing his thing. It's just a few races left to go in his career, and he's still on the pole, still fighting for wins. That's important. Right. He's not languishing in the back, you know, as an also-ran. You know what I mean? That's, I think, the most important thing to take from it. I personally feel uh, that Weber has a lot of opportunity to turn his uh, racing career into a very illustrious one as he goes to Porsche for the World Endurance Championship. To me, that is going to be a chance for him to be a properly lead, proper lead driver and have a lot of success with a team that's going to have a lot of motivation and a lot of money yeah. to do very well. Right. And and in a different venue where sharing a car with someone, you know, it's it's not the car is going to be built around someone else or whatever. I mean, where, where it really is, you know, three, four drivers working toward racing the same car to victory. Yeah. And there's, you know, the, that inter-team um, kind of, you know, intra-team uh, rivalry and whatever is a whole different dynamic in sports cars. So I think... And, and his daily driver can be a Porsche instead of an Infiniti. I think he's probably got a reasonable daily driver, it's, regardless of what it is. It's probably some, like, random Ford Falcon or something, you know? It's like, oh, gets me from point A to point B, mate. <laughs> I should really we, hope so. Did I just blow you away with my Australian that accent, was, how spot on it that was? That was spot on. Well, you know, Michigan and Australia have a lot in common. Australia, as you say it. There's an L in there somewhere. Australia. So. Not some Australia. All of it. No, the whole thing. Um. So, I mean, yeah, it was, it was like there was this kind of dynamic playing out in the race, but on, you know, then we, we did have some on-track moments. We had Checo V. Button, as seems to be sort of a usual recurrence with the similar pace of their cars. And yes. Checo's more aggressive style and Button getting frustrated at him and whatever. But, um, again, I mean, sorry to jump in here, but the result is what's turning into a typical result where Button finished the race well ahead of Checo for, you know, different reasons every time, but that part seems to be getting more and more consistent. Yeah, that's true, because it was really close to the end of the race. Button finished ninth, and I was looking down the order. Checo was back in 15th, man. Right. Like, right. I don't even remember how that, if he had to well, do an additional pit stop or what the deal was. But They, they didn't show it on, uh, on our coverage, but they claimed that uh, Checo had a bad pit stop. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. They, uh, and then they had a drive-through, right. So, uh, or just got all, got all slowed down. So... I mean, yeah, but then we had um, Raikkonen, who ended up fifth. We didn't see much of him during the race. Started ninth, had a couple of a couple of big moves, but um, otherwise, it seems like you know, it, it's weird because you know, we've talked earlier on, of course, with the Lotus when Raikkonen's out doing awesome, uh, winning races even, and uh, and really in there, we say, well, where the heck is Grosjean? And he's back somewhere mid pack. Right, um, right, and. You know, we have no reason to think, uh, I mean, I don't know, I guess maybe keep breaking it now that he has a contract for Ferrari next year is just like, eh, well, I'll do what I do. You know, I'll feel the burn when I want to, and otherwise I'll just... I'll feel the burn when I want to. Yeah, I mean, I, Raikkonen, I thought, was very racy and did a good job, um, but uh, Grosjean just straight up had the edge today, yeah. I think. Uh, and then, you know, we have Alonso with just 
what is a, another characteristic 2013 Alonso performance, which is just moving up, started eighth, finished fourth, um, but although not this enough time, to get the points, you know, right. not enough to to really um, you know make a dent in the lead, and now he's officially saying like, okay, yes, I realize mathematically it's possible that if somehow you know Sebastian right. Vettel doesn't take part in any more races, I could maybe uh, you know win the championship, but it's all but certain. Um, it's not, you know, oh, the title race is still on. Anything can happen. It's like, eh, anything can happen. Anything can happen. Probably not, but, Yeah. I mean, the one thing that I thought was refreshing, and it just, as the race unfolded, turned out to not be a very big deal, but Massa started ahead of Alonso and stayed ahead of Alonso for a fair amount of time. Alonso straight up passed Massa on track, uh, first third of the race. But the two were properly going after each other, and it was properly racy. And so it was good to see... I feel like part of it is the fact that Massa is trying to race for to keep his F1 career going, mm-hmm. and that's a little bit, you know, it's a little bit disappointing that that's what motivates someone. But at the same time, it's like it's also really good to see someone with a head injury come back and be properly quick again and show that he still has pace and he still has life. You know what I mean? Like to me, what what his performance accomplished for me today was showing that he's still got he's still got some racing blood left. And, you know, I wouldn't be totally opposed to him having a race drive. Yeah, and apparently there was um, something of a team order to Massa to let Alonso buy. But, of course, the team knows what the deal is. Right. So they're not going to, you know, I don't think it's probably as a, as direct of a thing of like, hey, Massa, right now you need to pull over the car and let Alonso buy. It's probably like, you know what you need to do here, buddy? Like, you know, it's team sport. Alonso is the guy. Right. It's You know, it's sort of this weird, you know, I think, you know, it is, of course, uh, now it's not against the rules to outright say what you want to have happen. Right. So it, it used to be a bit more awkward where there was that, oh, yeah, I missed a shift or, you know, confirm that right. you understand this message, those kind of things. Right. Um, but it still, I think, is kind of that, like, you know, maybe you'll listen to me and maybe you won't because uh, apparently there was a um, a call, a, a team order to, uh, you know, and we don't know how direct or how, how explicit it was um, to say exactly what needed to happen. And Massa ignored that because, uh, you know, Alonso did have to fight for the position. But then Alonso said, yeah, I don't mind that. You know, like, Massa's doing his thing. Uh, okay, I had to work to get by him, but I got by him. And the fact that, you know, if they had crashed out of the race, if there were drama during that, then I think he would have minded. Would have been a different story. Right, yeah. but the fact that, okay, it's like, yeah, the dude's racing. He's trying to prove himself and show that he can hold off Alonso for a while. You know, Alonso still has his job for next year. And obviously, at the end of the day, Alonso finished fourth, Massa in tenth. So Right. And <laughs> I mean, uh, listen, we, we all know that throughout uh, Massa's career, Alonso was the more sought-after driver. I mean, Alonso is one of the best drivers of his generation. I mean, that's just that's just the fact of the matter. So it's not that uh it's not that Massa has been faster than Alonso all along and now he finally gets to show it you know what i mean it's although i feel like in Massa's mind it kind of is well you know you know like there is still that kind of like scrappy kind of like but i cannot qualify i cannot raise him it's like i'm sure people thought that about Barrichello as well yeah i mean and then but what really the, the stark difference i think really is okay all that all the talk and qualifying whatever Really doesn't matter at all. I mean, at the end of the day, it's points, and Alonso has 207 of them, and Massa has 90 of them. And, like, that really, it's, like, more than double the points, um, and, and that, that puts him in a very different class of the championship. Um, mm-hmm. The fact that Alonso is still not mathematically eliminated, even though the dominance of Vettel, and, and there were times when, uh, you know, race wins, obviously Alonso's there. So it's sort of like, okay, I'm faster, I have my moments, and whatever. It's like, that's that's good, but... 
what really, really matters really is results. And right. obviously Vettel's been able to get these results with, with Red Bull, but Alonso, you know, bringing that Ferrari to, you know, possibly better than it deserves or whatever you want to say right. um, is, is really what it, what it comes down to. So I don't think there's many people that are going to question, like, yeah, can Felipe Massa have some good moments? Yeah, sure, absolutely. But um, it's not, you know, is it is it enough moments, enough of the time, and really able to do what needs to happen with the car and, and all that and, and whatever. But, yeah, it's, it, it is cool to see him kind of back and he's he's feisty again. He's not sad panda, uh, you know, masa. <laughs> right, he's, exactly. He's like feisty. sad panda masa. I mean, that's just that's not good for the fans. It's not. You know, the Tifosi, they want the uh, they, they they really want the. So yeah, I mean, there was the a, there, honestly we you could honestly you could relate masa and Grosjean together a little bit because they're both in a position through different circumstances to be a bit underneath you know away from the shadow of their teammates. You know, uh, Raikkonen. Everyone knows he's going to Ferrari, and Raikkonen, obviously, he still pulled off a good performance today, but not as good as Grosjean. Grosjean had a fantastic performance. And, you know, with Massa, now that it's everyone knows that he's losing his position to Raikkonen, that he he now has less of that... Um, less of that urge to actually listen to the team about everything. And I got to exactly do what the boss what man say. wants. Yeah. Right. So uh, it's, it's nice to see that. But another guy we have to talk about, dude, Nico Hulkenberg. I, I mean, it's just, he's, he's killing it, man. He's, he's doing a great job. He's just still coming up with impressive performances, Q3 appearances regularly. And, you know, it's, it's another one. We didn't see a lot of him during the race, but sort of when you did, you're like, oh, look at that. He's in fifth or sixth or whatever. Well, you know? I mean, okay, we've talked about Alonso maybe getting more than the Ferrari deserves. What about Nico getting more than the Sauber deserves? No, the Sauber actually is really on par with the Red Bull. <laughs> Neither Nico nor Gutierrez is just quite that good. I see. That's, that's been the problem all along. No, I mean, the, these cars will randomly burst into flames in the garages of all places. I mean, right. did you see that clip from qualifying? It, that's it was, because they're hot. Yeah. Da-dunk. And I mean that was Gutierrez's car, but it was this was like proper ball of flame uh, engulfing this car in the garage. So it's like out on track. Okay, you know things are hot, things are crazy. It was this thing with some unburnt fuel somehow? Obviously something ignited yeah. it. The Sauber team's like, where should we put this unburnt fuel? I know exhaust manifold. Yeah, and because there's space. So there. and you know so I, I, like so yeah Sauber you know budget wise and and just kind of what they can uh, you know really hope for is is some randomly good results, but it's really hard to sort of properly nail down the consistency. But well, plus Hulkenberg, I mean let's not forget that what Sauber could really use is a good interior decorator. That's never the prettiest car. On yeah, I, I think yeah the. This year is better than, than better than last, but still, it's it's an awkward looking machine. Yes. Um, but actually, so it's so Hulkenberg ended up sixth um, after starting seventh. Uh, but Gutierrez, his teammate, um, started fourteenth and finished seventh. So it was a a, a sober six seven, uh, which is actually quite good. It's Esteban's uh, first uh, points in Formula One. So. He's yes, all geeked about that's that. right, and it's more than one. And to be, you know, right behind his teammate when his teammate is getting all this attention, whatever, that's got to be a good boost for him as well. But, um, you know, overall, it has been the, the Hulk show um, as far as Sauber is concerned. And it really does, um, you know, it does make us wonder, not not really wonder because, you know, we talked about this quite a bit earlier on, but, um, you know, it's like Ricardo in the Red Bull, really? <laughs> you know? Well, yeah. Uh, or, you know, or... Uh, again, I mean, it's it's it's... It's hard to say because where the STR is comparison to the rest of the paddock right now is is a little bit hard to say. But Hulkenberg just continues to impress. And it's not once in a while. It's weekend after weekend after weekend. It's like, gosh, look what Hulkenberg did versus his teammate or versus this person or that person. You know what I mean? 
Where is he in the standings, driver championship standings? So, uh, Nico the Hulk Hulkenberg is 10th right now, so just ahead of average. I'm top 10. Um, right? With 39 points. And to be fair, okay, so he's behind Jensen, who's got 60 points. So it is kind of a step back. But he's ahead of both Force Indias and Sergio Perez. Yes. And Daniel Ricardo and John Eric Vern and his teammate and Maldonado and so on and so on. And all the guys with no points. So Yeah, I mean, he's basically right in there with the top teams. Right. He is. He's sort of... You know, if you call it best of the rest, I mean, you know, not being in a uh, in a Ferrari or a Lotus or a Red Bull or a Mercedes um, or one of the McLarens. <laughs> or, yeah. As, as it were. I mean, and th- that one's driven by an already world champion. Right. He's, it's, it's, he's in good company. I guess it would be a, a less awkward way of saying that. that he's a, doing quite well. That is, uh, I would actually, I was hoping for a little bit more awkward than that. Well, I can I can do awkward. There's <laughs> there's a few things I'm good at, and awkward is one of them. Um, but also the uh, you know this put this Sauber is uh, well and truly above STR. I mean that's that's where the, the area that they're battling. Um, and Sauber is in seventh spot in the constructors championship with 45 points. Um, STR only has 31, and that's you know for STR uh, of course way back in the day it was minority and was always the the sort of laughable but lovable back perennial back markers, um, yeah. and then you know they've but they've had some good moments and some good results i mean obviously vettel uh at italy you know and was that 07 um with uh with their maiden win and uh and then vettel of course obviously jumped up to red bull and you know apparently he's turned out to be okay i guess um, he's all right he's all right um but uh you know so that it's like that team has its moments and has some good performances and then they you know but it's like to see them um, they're ahead of Williams, who has one point. Let's talk about another sad story. Oh, yeah. And then, and then Marusha and Caterham. So it's... I mean, there's a lot, plenty of sad stories. I mean, even you could, if you wanted to, McLaren sad story as well. Right. Opinion. Although, but they're they're fifth. They're at least middle. They're not. I mean, they're ahead of Sauber. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So what is? So it's Red Bull, Ferrari, Lotus. Uh, Mercedes had a Lotus. I'm sorry, Red Bull, Ferrari, Mercedes, yep. Lotus, and then the McLaren. Second place is still close. I mean, it's between Ferrari, Mercedes, Lotus. Um, it's 297, 287, and 264. So a win here or there, I mean, is right. enough to, to really shuttle these things around. So really what it comes down to um, is do you have two cars scoring good points? And this time for Mercedes, they did not. And, you know, Ferrari, obviously, Alonso getting some points, also getting one. Um, but Red Bull really just owning that in a huge way with a one, two and continuing to own that. So McLaren, but it's, so it's, so it's those ones with, you know, between 264 and 300 points for second through fourth. And then it's just miles away, 220 some points back is McLaren with 83 points. So it's really, it's like, it's like, those are the four teams. McLaren is right now best of the rest. So yes, they're better than Force India and Sauber and STR, but it's, you know, that is, that is a huge reduction from where they have been. Um, in previous years. Absolutely. So uh, getting back to the, what set us off, uh, I'm, I'm certainly at this point now hoping that Lotus picks up Nico Hulkenberg. It does seem like his best opportunity, and I do think he's earned it. Yeah, definitely his best opportunity. I mean, it's, it's the best open I seat mean, for 2014. on the grid, right? Yeah. I mean, Although obviously... there has been talks about... Like Sergio Perez, uh, Sergio Perez's role at McLaren has been not necessarily on completely solid ground. Right. Um, but would do you think that a, the McLaren would be a better car than Lotus next year? I mean, I twenty fifteen new engines, but you know, maybe like I feel like twenty fourteen is going to be this confusion for a while. I guess if if there is confusion, then then it is sensible to tend toward the larger company with more resources to sort out that confusion, and that would be McLaren over Lotus. Right. And 
and I would say either team would be well over Sauber. And I think... Well, certainly more than Sauber. I mean, yeah, this isn't the question, right, I guess, but from... Exactly, but I'm the, so better than Sauber either way. Then you then then it becomes a little easier to say, all right, thinking long term. Do you know what I mean? Because right. I mean, think of the 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 Lotus team is actually the more you think about it, it's really fascinating because it's won lots of world championships. If you think about the Benetton team that it was, yep. Michael Schumacher in ninety four ninety five, yep, right, and then uh, became Renault team Fern- spirit Fernando Alonso two thousand five two thousand six. I've heard of that guy. I've heard he's good. Yeah, I heard he's okay. And now at Team Lotus, it's. It's not one championship, but it's clocked up, you know, multiple wins for Raikkonen. And, and came now out of the podiums. gate really strong, you know, with right. Raikkonen and the whole thing. Exactly. Know. I mean, so it's, it's, it's one of those. It's a fascinating team, but at the same time. They don't get paychecks anymore. And it's, it's, <laughs> that's, and it's more, that's a problem. It's more volatile. Right. You know what I mean? Because think about, uh, think about uh, the Renault team when Fisichella was there. Mm. You know, uh, the Renault team brought uh, a win for Truly. Yarno Truly. Right. But... Monaco. Right. Good memory on this guy. Because he likes the steering. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just a, it's, it's a volatile, less consistent team. Whereas McLaren's having a bad year, no doubt, could be the start of a bigger trend. But I, I think it's way too early to say that with any confidence. Yeah. You know and, I mean, I mean this, it is a very different team, if only without, you know, Flavio, for one thing. I mean, uh, that, you know, because the whole, um, you know, what is it? Uh, you know, Alonzo and, and Briatore, and then was it Pat Simmons at the time? You know, the yes, kind of the, yes, yes, the yes. triumvirate of them. I mean, you know, it, it's a different team triumvirate. now. Triumvirate. I know. I was able nice. to just put that in there, and then it, there it was. There words um, go. But, uh, you know, that was that was a very different thing. I mean, you know, getting Nelson Piquet Jr. to spin and crash in oh Singapore. I mean, that, like, that, that's, that, that's a different culture. I can just imagine Briatore saying, oh, yes, yes, the team is winning and stuff, but there are less beautiful women. Where are the beautiful women? <laughs> Well, you have the Australian accent, Flavio. and then you go for the Flav, man, which is no other accent. It, it is its <laughs> unto itself, has its own words, and mostly mumbles. Um, but duh, so, duh. I mean, so if you if you're Nico Hulkenberg and you get a call from Lotus and um, from McLaren, if if either seat is available to you, all else being equal, which it wouldn't be. I mean, being part of McLaren is a very different thing than being part of Lotus. But right. where where do you where would you go? My own opinion is that McLaren as a team, as a mentality, the way it does things, is a better fit for Hulkenberg in his very, you know, Teutonic German ways. My opinion. Okay. Um, But to put it the other way, if you are Lotus... To put it the other way, you're wrong. No, no, but... (laughs) No, and I, I, I don't. I don't disagree with that. If you put it the other way, if you're Lotus and you look at the options that you have available to you, so you've I've got Grosjean. They haven't officially announced that he's at the driver next year, but they've said like we really believe in him and he's doing great and yeah. we're committed to him, which is all but saying as long as the you know as long as you know he signs our contract, which is probably he's like in his contract like I need to get paid in a reasonable time. And Lotus is like <laughs> in his contract. So he wants to get paid. It's like <laughs> it's like line fourteen. I've got questions about line fourteen. Like yeah, that's about getting paid. I can't do that. So they're probably working that out right now <laughs> right. Uh, but assuming oh, that man. goes together they will probably have Grosjean for next year right and then they look at okay we have this other seat in this sometimes awesome you know sometimes we can't pay our people car um who do we get so Massa is a maybe right a he's possible. on the market they it's could just sort of be a, a, a the old Raikkonen and Massa swap as it were and there is a little bit more of that romantic flair with a fundamentally more French team in Lotus and uh when you have your you know French uh, French, Brazilian, Spanish, kind of more passionate. There is flair a joie kind of de vivre, if you will. Yes, exactly. So, 
so I I do genuinely look at it from a cultural standpoint and say that makes a little bit more sense. But yeah, when it comes down to it, you want the guy that delivers results, and right. who's going to be the best guy to deliver results? And I have to imagine that Hulkenberg would come at a cheaper price tag than Massa. Although I mean, I wonder what Massa's deal is. I mean, because he's obviously you know being you know nearly world champion, Ferrari driver for a long time or whatever. Dude's making all kinds of money, and there is partly to you know obviously anyone you know anyone wants to make more money and, and, and do that that's great especially you know once you've once you've sort of got the lifestyle and whatever and you want to you know make things all move forward so he would be a very expensive hire to most teams you know probably you know it's sort of like how much of a pay cut is he willing to take you know what is a reasonable thing in his mind and for his you know ego and his family and whatever it's sort of like right you know is there um what what is a sensible choice because it's like you know he could you know could lotus as you say is a race winning team and potentially you know return to whatever it's 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 not a uh it's not like oh well i got this offer you know cater him and i'm gonna go do that and maybe i'll turn it around it's like yeah probably not right um right so it's sort of like okay he has a chance i mean to look win. at look at hecky kovalainen when you say cater him that's the first thing i think yeah <laughs> he got a test drive seat the other day and he's maybe coming back for next year but oh wh- how's that gonna where go? do you got it where do you get a test drive at cater oh really yeah i did not yeah because he was paid something like four million at cater him and the other driver at the time it was uh, bringing money. It was like right. It was uh, Petrov, wasn't it? Yeah. And, uh, and but I think even when when it was the next round of folks, it was like four million versus four hundred thousand or something. Right. You know, you know, tenfold difference. So if, if but, you're, if uh, you're the, Masa, I'm sorry. sorry. The other thing I want to say because I like interrupting you rudely. Um, uh, Jensen Button won the world championship for Braun GP, which is now Mercedes. Right. Left the team and took a pay cut actually to move to McLaren. It was actually a drop in pay from Braun to McLaren. So the only point I'm making is it wouldn't be a big surprise to me at all for Massa to take a pretty serious pay cut if it kept him in Formula 1 and kept him in a team that had the promise of being a potential race-winning car. That's true, but who knows what's going to be a race-winning car, right? Well, that's definitely true. Yeah. So, so yeah, if you, I guess if I'm, if I'm Lotus and I'm looking to fill that seat, I'm going to steer toward Hulkenberg. Because probably he comes cheaper. Although I think you know the rest of the field notices him, and certainly Ferrari probably is like, well, you know, we want we want to move this guy up. You know, we want to have him as part of our deal. But we've got our seats very well filled right now with Alonso and Raikkonen. Right. Although um, both are both guys are in their thirties. You know, once you're in your thirties, man, it's I mean, like it's you're pretty much pretty much just all about ready to die. In Formula One terms, you're yeah right. You're a so, cancerous mess. Wait, I just tuned back into listening to you for a second, and it was at an awkward time. Cancerous <laughs> mess. <laughs> I mean, though, no, that's bad. That that is bad. Um, so I think, yeah, you know, you want to get the the younger upstart guy, and I mean, Massa. At this point, it's like you're not. There's no place he's going to go. I don't think. I mean, could you imagine him um, if 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 McLaren looks at looks at uh, Checo and says, okay, this isn't what we want. You know, pay him off contract. You're you're done, Checo. Could you imagine Massa moving to McLaren? I mean, I just can't. Like, no, no. As many times as it was, uh, you know, that seemed weird, you know, back in uh, the Raikkonen days, you know, when he was all McLaren and, and you know, in the sort of silver and black and the whole thing. And it's like, I can't imagine him being in a Ferrari. That's weird. And it's like, oh, that worked out okay. Um, but, uh, and talk about, you know, culture clash and whatever. Yes. I mean, uh, Raikkonen has a, shirt, a certain joie de vivre, but it's not the same <laughs> as the Italians. It's a well, different and thing. I, and so I like, would imagine the McLaren uh, folks, Martin Whitmarsh, particular seeing the cons in that deal right so it's like i don't think you know it's so it's really i don't see a place Massa's is going to go to win a championship and if you don't have that 
what are you looking for and what are you trying to, you know, what are you trying for? It's like, okay, I want to occasionally win a race, maybe. Um, you know, it's like if you want to have a paycheck, then, eh, you know, Lotus may not be the way. So either <laughs> way, that's, uh, so we have to see, yeah, from, from Hulkenberg's point of view, I mean, I just, I really hope he gets uh, some, some good options. Um, but it's interesting you mentioned uh, Jensen and Braun GP because in related Braun news, uh, the Mr. Ross Braun is leaving Mercedes. Mm. Um, he's not going anywhere next year. He's got his gardening leave, as it were. Um, gardening leave? Yeah, when you know, like when you have a non-compete for six months or whatever, and so it's like all these guys that switch teams, these engineers and stuff, these aero guys and whatever, they'll they'll sort of like, oh yeah, he's gardening this year, and then the, and then they show up, you know, unofficially in the team, other team clothes, and then eventually That's a term oh, I've never heard before. Yeah, right. it's like um, like who's that? Uh, the Williams guy that just went to McLaren, Sam uh, Sam Michaels. And it's sort oh, of like yeah, yeah, he yeah. sort of disappears the from one team director. for a while and then sort of, oh, look, he's hanging around in the paddock. And then, oh, look, now he's our, you know, so that right. kind of thing. Right. So the, the, the rumor mill, the, the thinking is that um, this is, of course, Braun GP was, uh, was Honda um, when Honda was like, hey, we don't have, you know, we're not doing this anymore. Uh, and then, you know, sold out the, the, the team, made it work with, with Braun and then, you know, just through some random acts well, of brilliance. Gonna, I thought the way it was going to be, and correct me if I'm wrong – that Braun was going to work for Honda as team principal of Honda. He was basically hired by them. Right. And then Honda said, you know what, we're out. And Braun said, no, no, I don't want that. And they said, well, you can it's buy like, it. We have this double diffuser thing. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, and, and basically Honda said, well, we're going under, so your options are to buy the team. And he said, fuck it, I'm buying the team. Yeah. Or F it, something, as some might say. Something, he may have said something colorful. Right. Um, so the thinking is, okay, who else is not in Formula 1 next year but will be again soon is Honda. Um, uh, along with McLaren, so there's potential that if 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 Ross is saying, okay, I'm out, I'm I'm done at Mercedes, because you know he was the Mercedes link up was, I don't want to say always a weird one, but the the way that you know Mercedes like, oh, this is a works team, kind of mostly, but now you know, and, and it was sort of a uh, um, a weird setup, and then it was yeah. of course Ross Braun and Schumacher, and that was going to be right. amazing, and then it well, wasn't because yeah, because it's not, I mean, Mercedes doesn't own the team, full stop, they own seventy five percent of it or something, right, you know. So either way, you know, there's there's been obviously a lot more engineers and a lot of things shifting around and Lewis Hamilton at the team and all that now. Um, so the thinking is potentially. So Ross Braun may become, uh, you know, back to a, a major player if he would actually end up um, at McLaren Honda or, you know, if, 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 if there is another um, another Honda either supplied to another company or if there is a works Honda team in the future or whatever for 2015, 16, something like that. Oh, so, and the tie-in with Honda is, is there because of the relationship we had with Honda – Right. Back in a From back in the day and, yeah. and sort of, you know, having good connections there and so on. So, I mean, in, anyway, so the, the point is there's potentially, you know, when we look at the, the list of teams now, we think, well, where is the Sauber now and where is STR and how are things moving forward? You know, there could be some, you know, some spanners thrown into these, uh, these particular cogs yeah. with, uh, as, you know, in the next three, four years as uh, the regulations change. Um, if any of these other, um, you know, low budget teams either sort of pivot and get different primary sponsorship and maybe move up or down the grid or, um, you know, get different investment or involvement. Cause another way Honda could of course get involved is like, Oh, we're going to buy Marusha or something, you know, right. buy some other team, get in that way or buy STR. Who knows if, that, if that's... Which I mean, frankly, I, I mean, their tie up with McLaren, I imagine makes that other, those other options at least in the next couple of years, pretty unlikely. Right. Although, I mean, you know, the Red Bull thing, buying, buying out minority was sort of weird at the time as well. And, and, you know, I say, here we are with Red Bull being dominant and STR not. So I don't know, <laughs> I don't know what the lesson is there, but they've certainly spent a lot of money on something. Well, I think what happened there, uh, this is definitely a tangent, but my guess is that Red Bull bought STR 
uh, with one intention and it worked out another way because of regulations. Yeah. Because oh, the customer card deal. Yeah. Yeah, because they had they had a technical center, a third entity that uh, Adrian Newey worked for that could overlord over both teams. Right. And all of a sudden that became uh, illegal uh, as an operation in Formula One. So SDR was going to be the sweet car that just didn't have the same budget and parts, but otherwise was going to be a Red Bull. Yeah, and, and the training then, ground for Red Bull drivers, which exactly. of course worked fairly well for Vettel, and we'll see how Ricardo gets on, but it was a disappointing day for Ricardo today as well. So either way, um, interesting times. I'm, I'm, you know, this is, this is a, a fun part of the silly season where we're starting to see the, the chips put into place, starting right, to see the puzzle right. come together for what is the grid going to look like next year. Um, and, uh, and then, you know, as you start to look out a little bit farther as friends, where are the different people? And, you know, there has been a lot of shift in engineering talent. I mean, we should take a, maybe a look at that in the off season or something in terms of who used to work where and now works where, because obviously the drivers, you know, we, we talk about that and, and some of the team principals, but, uh, there have been, um, some, some fairly big shifts in, in aero and engineering and, and different things. So, um, yeah, we'll see kind of how that, uh, how that transpires. Um, and, um, news since the last show as well, before we move on. Um, that New Jersey seems maybe slightly more likely to happen next year than it did the last time we spoke, which was, you know, whatever, one month ago almost. <laughs> um, and that uh, I think, you know, we still don't have any definitive word. I don't know, you know, we may not have definitive word until about three weeks before the event. Right. I think the biggest question now is, is it at all plausible to have a race in New York or Canada for that matter, but New York as it's scheduled now a week after Monaco with the, where the cars and people will physically be and all the tools and spares and everything else, if just the the act of moving all that equipment and or, or having a second set or third set or whatever has to happen to right. make everything happen. And uh, so it's partly the physical goods and then partly um, can can the teams uh, you know keep all their their guys all their all their all their workers. Uh, away from home that long or will they start to have this drain right. of people that say you know what this was fun and all and i'm making okay money but i can't you know being being away for a week two weeks okay you, you know you come home you do your thing around europe but if it's you know south of france and then over to canada and over to over to america doing this whole thing where you're away you know months at a time and more back-to-backs and all that sort of the craziness of this proposed calendar with 22 races um then there may start to be more personnel problems and that you right. know really could be uh, could be a problem so well for entirely selfish reasons i want it to happen you yeah. know what I mean? I mean, I don't care. <laughs> Just suck it up. <laughs> suck it up and come because it'll be awesome. We, I mean, our video, I think, shows pretty well that that, that has the, the infrastructure – not the infrastructure. I'm sorry. That has the, the bare bones to be a fantastic course right. uh, as street circuits go. And I, I want to see it happen desperately. Yeah. And I actually met up with uh, some folks in England last week, and uh, I was talking about. So I'm like, as as a as an English person, or sorry, a British person, I should say, because some some folks are Scottish as well. Um, these particular fans, or, of course, or from were Wales. Yeah. Well, nah. no, no, yeah. we have Welsh fans, really. I think so. Nice. What up, Wales? What up, Wales? Um, and Northern Ireland. While we're at it, uh, so and so so it's like, what's more interesting of a race to go visit between um, Montreal, New York? Uh, New Jersey, if you will, and the Texas in Austin. And it's sort of like, you know, you, so as the dynamic and, you know, just like we're, you know, looking at, okay, where would you, where would you want to go on a flyaway? And you think of the sort of pros and cons of each. So part of it's a cost and, you know, the New York uh, in general um, is, is of course a very expensive city, but um, New Jersey is not an expensive state. Right. I mean, and there's, there's, there's so much around it's so much infrastructure that uh, something like, like Austin, um, is uh, you know it's its own city and you know it's not huge 
and the Grand Prix really takes over. And we were looking at that with you know the hotels and everything. It's sort of like right. you don't have a lot of options. And, and I mean, in Austin, it was clear that the downtown was focused around Formula One. Right, and so it would so, be a blip for New York. Right, and in Montreal, it's sort of in between. I mean, there is a nice sort of quarter on St. Catherine Street and whatever that that like really gets into it, and, and that's part of this whole cool vibe. Is you go to the, you go to qualifying, you know, on Saturday, and you're like this was cool. But then you go into town, and there's you know Ferrari stands and like all car shows, and and all these businesses have cool stuff going on. There's DJs, there's music, all kinds of fun. Like it's 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 fun to sort of you know have the the fun of going to this race, continue into the evening and enter the city and whatever. Um, so you know Austin does that and whatever. So New York um, is a weird one because it's, I feel like. Uh, and so anyway, so what we're saying is outside of. Um, Outside of the you know the hotels, which is sort of a fixed thing in Austin, um, that you know there's not a, a lot of options to do it cheaply. I mean, we found one because if you know some people and can stay at their house, then that's great. But and if, it was a, it was brilliant. You know, and I mean that was so beyond right. fantastic. I mean that but bar- very easily saved us thousands. Right. I mean, like yeah, seventy five thousand dollars or whatever that one suite would have cost. It was uh, it was seventy five no thirty six five hundred dollars a day. Yes. Yeah, and it had to be five days. I think is what it was. So I feel like, but New York, New Jersey area, that there's enough options for you know hotels, and you can sort of go really close or farther away. But there's there's options all the way around in a way. Way that in central Texas you don't have towns all the way and hotels in all those towns or whatever. But even, you know, there's state parks. You can go camping and take a train. In. I mean, there's so, so many options that I feel like, okay, New York City, of course, if you find some swanky hotel room, you could spend gobs of money on it, no doubt. But, but that's true all the time. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so, it, you know, F1 won't take over New York in a way that it takes over a smaller city. Hopefully there's a cool area of things around the track or wherever the stuff is if there's a cool, right. you know, something to go, you know, carry on the festivities. I mean, it's a big event to be sure. But, I mean, let's not forget this is the city that uh, has the U.N. summit every year. This is the city where um, uh, a lot of uh, the country revolves around. A lot of the city center of the country revolves around here. So a major event in New York is constant. That happens all the time. Right. There's it's, always something crazy going. But right. there's, you know, the three giant international airports all with connections to everywhere. Right. So it's not like, oh, the one airport has an issue. It's like, no, there's, you know, it's built for all that. But and the it, most giant of them is in New Jersey. Did yeah. You, right? In Newark. Newark. Yeah. So. Um, so anyway, so I think logistics-wise, like, you could do New York on the cheap. It would be a very different experience. Uh, you know, a, an expensive trip to the New Jersey, you know, Grand Prix of America, I think it is. An expensive trip and, a, and an inexpensive trip right. could be a very different experience. But both could be cool, I think, is the point. And I think Montreal is kind of in between. Because when I did that uh, years ago in 2010, um, we did stay on sort of the other side of town, Montreal. But we could take a tube and it took – or a subway, whatever it is. And it, it you know, took a while to get there. But we were able to get to the city pretty effectively and it all worked out. So, right, right. Um, you know, as opposed to Austin where you have limited options. So part of it, of course, is the money. Then, But, you know, Montreal, you think, has a lot more history and is a cool, you know, that's out on the island. It's like right near the city, but not not in it. And it's a park course in between the city, you know, a street course and a and a proper road course, whatever. Not a lot of elevation, really any. Um, but it does have, you know, this history. You know, we've been going there a long time. There's some cool stuff to it, and it is a, sort of a well, you know, well known, well sorted race, and it's and it's fun. Um, but uh, but you know, thinking about that, then what we kind of came around to was sort of like if you're there, especially with family or with wife or whatever. There's so many more options for interesting things to do in New York that, like you say, there's always oh, yeah. something going on. There's Absolutely. all manner of shopping. You can see, you know, all kinds of, you know, cool buildings, cool companies, just yeah. stuff and you can't see anywhere else in the museums, world. Museums, art, uh, just explora- exploration. I mean, there's so many options. Right. And then, you know, street food. Oh, I yeah. mean, there's just yeah. – So it's like – and so not to, to discredit Montreal or Austin because both of those have lots of options as well. But it's like New York is just one of those – 
you know, cities, crazy cities of the world that just has all these all this stuff going on. That... Well, I mean, in New York is properly a world city. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, if you think about the great cities in the world, what what are the cities? I mean, Tokyo, London, um, Tokyo, London, Paris, uh, New York City. I mean, if you think about the big cities that come to mind in the world, to me, those are the the New York is always going to be one of them. Yeah, and. So anyway, I think so. I think just for that reason alone, just thinking about as fans would. I mean, ultimately, what a lot of this, you know, there's all this money and contracts and TV time and you know all, all the schedules and whatever. But when it comes down to like, what do the fans want? What's interesting of a sport? Um, it's so everyone who's watching on TV um, wants to see a good race. Which if that's helped by a good track, you know, that's got that's good. And we've got this cool track that we have there. Right. And then everyone who, you know, all the paying ticket, you know, uh, you know. People, like, all the spectators that pay money to go see it. Yeah, that want to see the race live. It also wants to be a good race for them. They want to, yeah, they want to have a race that's, you know, it's got to be something that's compelling because if you, you know, these days with airplanes and everything as, as they are, like, you know, anyone, you know, with a, you know, sort of, I would say, you know, a, someone who's a middle class kind of person that's really focused on if they want to save up some money and go to an F1 race can almost go anywhere in the world. Obviously, some are really expensive and whatever, but, you know, it's not it's not beyond the realm of possibility for a normal person to save up some money and fly to Singapore. Like we could fly to Singapore if we wanted to, right, um, right, right. you know, it's not like it's, it's undoable. So it's like, you have to market the race within, especially when you have 22 of them on the schedule to say like, why, why would this race be something special? And I think it has that. So, um, yeah, I also, so I guess that's a really long winded way of saying for more than just selfish reasons, I think it should happen. <laughs> um, well, it's, it, it was long winded, but it was, it was compelling. And I think it's an interesting point. And obviously us, us being Americans, it would also be the closest race to us, not by a long shot. Montreal isn't much farther, right. but it would be a good hour closer. Yeah. So there's, there's a lot going on. So, so to say, I mean, what we could say here properly is if we had the New York race, it would be a day's drive, less than a day's drive even. So uh, that part is really cool. Right. And, you know, super, super cool track, potentially, you know, probably. Hopefully, we haven't seen yeah. F1 cars, you know, and it's, it's being reworked on. But anyway, the work is continuing on that. Seems likely. We are hopeful. And, you know, hopefully we can uh, we can go there and hang out and meet some fans and, and do a thing, but who knows? So I want to I want to shift gears a little bit, uh, and I, I hope this doesn't come off uh, a little bit uh, uh, morbid, but uh, Maria de Villada, I don't think I said it right, but I think you know who I'm talking about. I do. She passed away. Um, she passed away, you know, a couple of days ago, a few days ago, in sleeping in her hotel room. I mean, that's as much as I know. Yeah, and it was... Uh, and uh, you know, obviously, it's you know her family is uh, is you know dealing with this and getting information and so on. And they said it is, um, and you know, very obviously, you know, it's remnants of her injury from, of course, testing the Marusha, where she had that awful crash, right? Um, where it was you know like serious skull damage, and she lost her eye, and it was terrible uh, then. And it was amazing to see how well she was able to come back from that. And she wrote this book, and it was just this. And that's actually what she was. She was in the middle of promoting it. Right. But, you know, really just kind of had a very different focus in her life and was able to sort of turn that around and, and make positive out of it and everything, which was, which was just amazing. Um, so it is, you know, just very sad to, to hear that, you know, for whatever reason, you know, something of that injury caught up with her in a way that, you know, it's, so it sounds like at least, you know, she was able to, um, you know, make, just share her inspiration, you know, kind of make her presence felt in a positive way. And, and it is, it is quite striking that, she was able to write the book first. You know what I mean? Because usually the way injuries uh, like these go, 
you know, you're in a very risky period. And then as time goes by, the risk slowly but surely diminishes. So, you know, again, we don't know any of the details. We do know that it's related to her injury. But I think it's, uh, it's quite nice for a lot of reasons that she was able to heal enough so and put her thoughts together to, to write a book. A, that's a wonderful thing to do with your time. And B, um, B, the fact that it didn't happen midway through writing the book or anything like that. The fact that the book is effectively finished and she was in the middle of you know, telling people about it. That, that's, that's nice. It's something that you can say, this is really tragic and sad that it happened, but there is some good we can point to. Yeah, she was able to, to get her story out there in a way that, if, of course, if, if uh, she originally hadn't made it uh, this far in the recovery, obviously it's still a very sad story, but she may not have had as much of a positive impact as she was able to have. So I guess right. if, if there's anything you can take out of a, a tragedy like this, I guess it would be that. And, uh, and you know, there was, um, of course, you know, the, the moment of silence of reflection about it, and uh, it was very, uh, very respectful. And it is, um, it is tough even when someone's, um, you know, just starting to sort of become related to the Formula One community. Um, it still is, um, you know, just a, a tragedy that's, uh, you know, certainly is felt you know across the across the world and it's just yet another example as if i need more of them is another reminder that uh don't ever think not for the slightest second that you have control there is always something that can happen and uh just so the point i'm making isn't always be fearful it's always right. it's always under- write a book apparently <laughs> it's it's, it's not that, but oh. although that's a good one. It, it's always write a book and always know that, you know, what you have now, your life as it is now, be happy for it because you don't know. You do not know. And I, I'm not trying to get, I'm not trying to get uh, preachy here, but it, 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 to me, it was just another stark reminder of that. Yeah. I mean, and Maria's book was named Life is a Gift, which is just kind of, I don't know, remarkable, I guess, in the circumstances that, uh, yeah. that it all uh, turned out that way. Yeah, uh, yeah. Don't don't ever write a book saying life is guaranteed. I will be here tomorrow. <laughs> Here's how to do life. I win. Yeah, <laughs> just don't just don't do that. Okay. Um, so probably, I mean, at the end of the day, we uh, Asia delivered in terms of good Formula One races for us, and uh, maybe it's time to hear what other people had to say about it. Sure. Listener feedback, and wouldn't you know it, we had something from the kilt, and uh, he was upset that I didn't do a poem last podcast. I proof. I, that no, is proof right there. No, I yes, don't, I don't think upset is the word. I think I think wailing uncontrollably, so sad, crying. Either were tears on the keyboard clearly as he was typing. To, that. to pick a quote out of it, uh, so crap, it's good. Is he's like maybe it's in the so crap it's good kind no, of that's like poem. A, that's like an English euphemism. I mean, that, or Scottish or whatever. I mean, he no. was saying he was saying something along the lines of your rhymes are like you know golden swaths of wheat glistening in the wind, and sand is also there. Clearly, you should be writing poetry because exactly. these don't make any darn sense. Exactly. No. Okay. So in the same way that it's fun to watch a video of someone falling off of a skateboard, doesn't mean you should go around pushing people off of skateboards. No. Okay. No. So that's that's not true. Stay Definitely. on your skateboard. It is hilarious to push people off of skateboards. You should be doing that because Craig's right. That is hilarious. You're a terrible. person. Have you not seen the TV show Ridiculousness? It is the best way to waste time. No, I haven't. That I know of. Okay. Oh, it's so good. It's it's so good. It's like YouTube for old people. It is. 
you're right, and I'm <laughs> old, so it's perfect for me. No, because here, here's the deal. What it allows you to do is turn off your brain. And once you turn off your brain, you watch other people doing things they shouldn't have done. It's turning and... off your brain so much that you didn't even make your own way to YouTube. It's someone else went to the internet to find videos for you yeah. and put them in a box that you didn't even have to click buttons on it. Yeah. <laughs> Great. <laughs> but I do have to click buttons because half the time it's TiVo. Freaking TiVo. TiVo. Anyway, so, <laughs> thank you, Mr. Kilt. Uh, and uh, I don't know. The the poems may make a triumphant return, but I can guarantee you that Jim will not know about it. I'm pretty sure triumphant, again, is not the word we were going for there. But... Well, for me it is. All right, moving on. We also got a Facebook message from David Lewin from Sweden. Um, so um, he says, first of all, has a, a, a sort of technical note in that when our um, – uh, podcast announcements come up in the in the in his you know everyone's Facebook news feed that follows us uh, that sometimes there's spoilers in there and there are sometimes the way you know we'll we'll put right in there of you know oh yeah metal tops yeah. a Shanghai surprise <laughs> whatever random crap you come up with <laughs> we don't I don't know if we've ever written that one specifically but okay I mean it's not that one but they're they're a little out there sometimes yeah, yeah which yeah. is part of the fun but okay so fair enough so either we can change the formatting of the way they show up on Facebook, or we can try to come up with clever uh, little ways of not in announcing what happened uh, unless you already know what happened. Well, it's funny, so it's like though. That one guy that won, he won today. I know, but that's the thing. I mean, when we first made the show, going back years, the original intention was to bring the news to people of what happened during the race because we were thinking this would be a show for fans that weren't big enough fans to want to watch the race every time. But, you know, wanted to get a little bit of highlight and information. Turns out we were totally wrong. The people that liked our show tended to be really avid fans that watched the race, watched, watched all the coverage they could watch, and then in addition to all that, wanted podcasts as well. And so then it was like it made more sense to show very clearly what we wanted to talk about. Oh, watch out for that. But, I mean, whatever. I mean, that's just different opinion. Yeah. So either way um... – we can, I think we can still bring, you know, people that are all tuned into what's going on. If they're not looking to us for news, then they can still click on what, what our show is and listen to it. And, of course, we'll talk about what happened in the show. Spoiler alert, it's usually Vettel. And, um, <laughs> that's, that's our standard spoiler alert. Right. Yeah. I mean, we just pre-record the first, like, 20 minutes of the show. It's like, well, Vettel did really well today. And then the other guys were there. But then Vettel was better. And uh, we just recycled that. Uh, so he said, okay, the end of the season is nigh. Um, it still wants to see if uh, Pastor Maldonado is still going to be any good, um, if, if he's going to... Uh, you know, uh, end up somewhere next year and kind of how that's going to go. He misses Rubens a lot. Mm. Um, and there's, you know, he goes on, there's, uh, uh, you know, just kind of a, a bit about talking about, you know, Kimi versus Alonzo and kind of how these things are going to, are going to turn out. So, um, we definitely appreciate, uh, the note and, uh, and want to talk about it. And, uh, he, uh, you know, just had, uh, some, some colorful little flavors here with, uh, you know, Korea kicked up a decent, if not excellent race. However, the marshal seemed way off. I'll just let your car burn a bit, Mr. Chiseljaw Aussie man. And what was the bloody SUV doing running on track? Amateur hour. So clearly got uh, – The SUV on track was quite fascinating. I don't know. Did you see that yourself? No. Oh, I saw man. a picture of it. But yeah, it, it, was, it was quite laughable really. Right. Um, but ultimately he, uh, he agrees, and this is from previous to Japan but from the Korea show, Race of the Week must be Hulkenberg, which of course I think we're on board with. And, uh, Very much so. And uh, looks forward, looking forward to seeing his progress, as are we. Well, let me say in response that one of the places I want to go to the most um, is Sweden. I really want to check it out. I've heard just amazing things. And uh, my wife and I are kind of into the Nordic, the Nordic kind of scene a little bit and you know, Sweden's tops for that kind of stuff. Into the Nordic vibe, huh? Yeah, wow. yeah. Wow, there you go. You're all about the uh, the long 
long summer days and short winter days. You know what? Says once you get married in Iceland, you don't want to. You don't want to not, not go to Sweden. Go to Sweden. <laughs> like they always say. Yeah, I mean, the, you know, not all not all sayings are created equal. So, uh, time zones and travels and things being what they are, uh, I didn't have a whole lot to do on the Facebook page, but thankfully, our gifted and talented and intelligent fans. Um, did fill in the gaps and uh, had plenty to share and say. So all the usual suspects um, with Laurie Jordan and Craig the Kilt, who uh, I was able to hang out with while I was in England for a minute, which yeah, was awesome. Yeah, which was cool. I mean, you showed me a picture. That's cool. And I can ask the Kilt on air what Abbey that was in the background of that picture. Right. So there's a picture, and in the background there's a very tall, pointy building, which Robin then assumes that this is an Abbey. I don't know. Church Abbey, where where the lines are on the, on, I mean, the, on the names of these structures, but either way, um, it's an you can, Abbey, I think I don't know. I, I don't know. Either way, um, we also did have a, uh, a comment from David Munchie Swanbro, um, which I think gets the name of the week award, <laughs> where <laughs> who was just he was doing all nighter uh, because yeah the times for these these Asian races are, are screwball so it's super. Is he uh, is he a fellow U.S. citizen? No, he's in England. Um, but that's how does it? Oh, that, that was his point, right? So it's fr- uh, free practice three live on BBC at one twenty a.m. Then quality oh, at five wow. a.m. Oh wow! So it's like because here it's sort of you know there's this is it late or is it early and there it's sort of both. You know, Wait, so he did an all nighter leading up to the race, not the race day itself. That was well, that was for qualifying actually. It was so practice right. three and quality, yeah. So, right, and then and then who knows um, where that's going to go after that? Wow. So yeah, he may uh, he may he's probably sleeping now. Hopefully, and uh, <laughs> let's all hope. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so thank you, uh, thank you to all for um, contributing in uh, on Facebook in the usual way. And there were some tweets that came out from the Fun with Cars account that were not from me. Yes, and eventually I successfully you even plotted. You we even figured out the hashtag this time, which well well played. It sir. took a little bit of doing, and I actually got scolded by some of our uh, vigilant fans and me and you. But I, whatever, I it's it's a thing, and you put a pound sign in front of it, and you write it. And if you do it the same time over and over, Ooh, those are helps. fighting words in England. I, I, we had a discussion. There was a conference call that said enter something and then pound. And that's not a pound sign. That's a hash, and that's hashtag. So you better be careful with those Americanisms. Well, on... I mean, okay, an Americanism is pound sign. All right, but... we're gonna call it a pound tag. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm join gonna, us I'm on pound, pound tag FW. some tweets. That just sounds weird. <laughs> no, it sounds perfectly normal. Watering a pound tag over there. Uh, either way. Um, yeah, again, the time zones are screwball, man. So I think Colin in Hawaii may have had uh, one of the better uh, – it was finally a primetime race for him. Yeah, right. He gets hooked up every once in a Although it came, came through on like Tuesday or something too, so I don't know how, how it all works. <laughs> well, he's got that, and he's also got Australia. And then otherwise he The he whole suffers. thing, all of it, yeah. Um, so either way, thanks, uh, thanks for keeping up with that stuff. Uh, we uh, – at one point we're going to uh, try and do some, some live pound tagging, but uh, it didn't, didn't end up working. <laughs> Hey, your your words, buddy. No, that is your word. I just inspired it. You were gonna come over at like midnight, and we were gonna pound tag for no, a no, while. No, well, I mean that was yeah. It was. <laughs> I we was. Should, we should talk about. Something I was else gonna now. do that, and we were going to <clears throat> tag it. But uh, you know, better better halves. Uh, you know, spoke sense. Right. Um, but thanks again, as usual, to um, the. Uh, you know, Neil, the prediction stud, um, taking part in uh, both. Oh, he's so helpful. Live pound tagging and sorting out the uh, prediction. It's just going to become a word. <laughs> That's a thing for we're you. Just, now. We're just going to. I don't know. Your, your whole. It's a hashtag. Use the pound sign thing. Just is. I don't know. And now I, my new goal in life is now to get you to say bling bling about something totally different. I don't know about that. Yeah, that's my new goal. Well, it's good to have goals, I guess. So you either way, bling those goals. As usual, visit that. No, <laughs> I'm not. 
I'm, no. Um, I will not bling those goals, sir. That doesn't even... Uh. <laughs> Someone make this man stop talking. He's going to do a poem soon, and it's going to uh, be terrible. Oh, I'm going to do a poem soon. Maybe before noon. No, just stop it. So... For anyone who's still listening, if you're out there, thank you. Um, but also, uh, do feel free to visit funwithcars.com. Absolutely. Where you can reply to the shows and, and put comments right on the shows there. There's links to our Twitter stream and Facebook and whatnot. And you can keep up with us from there. Um, and, and there's videos that we've posted, including of the uh, our track drive of the New Jersey Grand Prix track. Before it's a track, but it's all streets there now. Um, so that's uh, it's been there for a little while, but uh, I think there's probably some people out there who haven't seen it. And it really is cool if it's something you haven't seen to see what it looks like, what it looked like a year ago, whenever that was. Right. And uh, and then as as things move forward. Well, no, it was March. I think it was March of 2012 that we did it. So even yeah. So more than a year and a half ago now. Wow. Man, we're freaking old. That well, was, dude, yeah. I mean, it was. I, it, I mean, the race has been talked about for. An even longer time than that, of course. That's true. And uh, it was supposed to have happened already and got delayed to 14, and now we're crossing fingers that it happens in 14. Yeah. So, fingers crossed. Um, do uh, keep in touch with us. Let us know what you think and play along with predictions with us on Facebook. Speaking of which, let's take a look. Yes. So... Predictions has gotten slightly less dramatic when we've got five Sebastian Vettel you know, wins in a row. He's and won us over. I mean, there's no way around it. Yeah, so it's it's like at, at this point, who's going to go out there and go, oh, man, this is the time. You know, Weber's really going to break through or it's going to be Hamilton or Rosberg or whatever. So we did have some folks um, predicting toward Hamilton today, which, of course, went terribly wrong because he was actually not the first one out of the race, but the third one out of the race um, very early on. I mean, first major player, you could say. Yes, and it was just minor players, you could say, if you referred to these guys as players, um, which, you know, some people do. So, I mean, I just did. I'll do it again. So we've been predicting Vettel Vettel for a while. Damien, of course, you know, being the spreadsheet that it is, um, just figures whoever was on pole last time will be there again. So for um, for the next race, of course, in India, which we haven't talked about the next race at all, but it's in India. Um, <laughs> now we've talked about it. The um, possibly the last one in India for a while, but we'll figure that out. Right. Um, so Damien, of course, thinks that Weber will be on pole and Vettel will win. Do you agree? No, Ooh. I disagree. Uh, I think that Vettel will be on pole and that Vettel will win. <laughs> That's what I think. I mean, here's a problem. A bombshell, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Here's a problem. We've we've had people comment in the past like, "Oh, this season's getting boring. I don't know if I'm going to follow it anymore. I'll you know hope next year's better and all this kind of stuff." It's not that way for me. I'm still very excited to see what plays out, but um, it is becoming it is becoming to feel inevitable um, that Vettel's performance is going to do well. I mean, when the Red Bull started being as strong as a, of a car as it was in Monza, the one place where it was traditionally weaker, I was like, okay, well now we're now we're host, and Vettel is just right in this really sweet spot, and I would love. I would love my predictions to be a little bit incorrect. That'd be wonderful. So how many people do you think for this one? And we've got about, let's see, well, I'll tell you. I can, I can, I can figure this out. Um, 75 people today predicted um, for this race, which was a tough one. These back-to-backs, it's easy to forget, especially when we didn't have a show to talk about predictions. Yes. So it's down. We lost, I think, some, some folks who didn't, uh, didn't make it in time for predictions. But 75 people today put in predictions. How many of those do you think were for Vettel Vettel? 
Because, you know, we weren't the only ones with this line of thinking here. I'm going to say 37. I'm going to go right down the middle, basically, and say half. Uh, more than that. We had 50, 50, 50 of them, two-thirds. Because, you know, the mental <laughs> math on that one, imagine that. Went I mean, for exactly, so one guy, Brian Hoover, shout out to him, went Weber Weber, also for one point. Wow, so, okay. Different approach, but with the same, you know, but, so it's rare that a, that a Weber Weber call gets you the same number of points, in this case one, as a Vettel Vettel call. But good on you, Brian. You should get more points for that because it, it was a riskier call. I would have, and I was, really, I was really hoping to see a Grosjean uh, prediction in there. Well, because it would have um, gone, it still wouldn't have, you know, third, third, it would have been four points, but it would, still would have gone better than a lot of people would. Well, think. your buddy Jacques Ouray, I'm losing that on the French last name there, um, went Vettel Grosjean, so didn't, you know, three points for that's, that's again, a, a fairly ballsy move. And, I would uh, say that's, paid that, off. that may be the prediction of the weekend, uh, considering what could have been and what actually was. Yeah, uh, so so for Alonzo, sorry, uh, Weber polls, we did have, so Brian Hoover, of course, Paul Bryant called Weber poll, he went Alonzo for the win, though, so three points, you know, but but still, to go Weber for the poll is uh, is cool, so well, yeah, only two folks that uh, that went Weber on poll, so anyway, some, that that we have to look for the interesting bits, because uh, it's all, otherwise it's all like, oh, battle, battle, and we're all pretty close. And, and it'd then, be, I have to admit, this season has more than most urged me to come up with a new game other than our poll and win for predictions, you know it, it is it is tempting. Yeah. But so we may have to yeah have a uh, a, a strategizing session with uh, our prediction stud and see what what other fun little morsels. Because I mean at some point okay who's going to be thirteenth place or something? It's just kind of random, which I guess is sort of fun. But something else that there is some some skill to it of maybe right. will this guy finish ahead of that guy? Or, right. You know exactly. things like that. Or is there is there any way to uh, bake? odds into it you know what i mean right like, we're, but then we're then we're in online gambling territory then we get shut down not from formula one but now that's from u.s government <laughs> saying, oh these guys are gambling oh but somebody might win a but sticker wait, wait, wait. Is, is, is it is it illegal if there's zero money involved i don't know but with the, yeah I, I think it's fine i think it's if it's just for fun then it's okay but i don't know which we, we we should maybe check this time before well, we just make a thing and you know get shut down it's the perfect segue to my next question which is how are you going to predict <laughs> Fettle, <laughs> I mean, I, it's funny. I mean, this is this is uh, traditionally been a, a lot of fun. Uh, uh, produce uh, the show at this segment. You know, we have a lot of fun with each other. But even even for us, it's like well, metal, metal, we still I had mean, fun. You didn't have fun. I had fun. I am. I'm, it's fun. So, you're, Jim, you're great, and I'm having fun. <laughs> But <laughs> I knew you were going to say Vettel Vettel. What else would you say? Yeah, you haven't had any go. So you are still in rank one of the whole everyone cumulative scores. You've only scored 46 points this the entire true. season, which good on you, sir. You are, you are winning that and doing a great job. You have not I'm had. I'm going to go crazy on Coke at the end of the season if it works out. Coca-Cola, just to be clear. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, so you have not had any that have really gone wrong for you. I'm looking at the little chart, you know, that was a new feature for this year anyway, of, of results. If you just put your mouse over your name and the yep. list of things yep. there. Everyone else, not everyone, most people, it's like, you know, it goes, it goes okay, but every once in a while you pick a Hamilton and he's out, or you pick Weber and it all goes wrong, or there's a penalty, or something weird happens. You've, you've, been, you've been making the calls all the way along. So Damien um, has had a few where it's gone kind of wrong. Not anything terrible, but uh, right. a few that have gone a little bit weird. So Damien is in 30th position with 104 points. I am well up on page two now. I am in only 34th spot, which is considering where I had been. I'm in the top third now of sort of active players. You've been clawing it back. Mostly players by just going Vettel Vettel the whole time. So it's kind of lame, but, um, you know, is is kind of fun. So, um, 
either way, uh, that, that's that's exciting for me. We did definitely had some folks that predicted Hamilton to do uh, well in the race. Of course, he did fine in qualifying, but uh, lost out a bunch of points there. So it's, that's how it goes, though. You know, that's, uh, that's why it's predicting. Predicting is difficult, especially about the future. Yeah, yeah. I, and it, it's, it's, it's funny how it's not Vettel's fault that he's as good as he is and he's built the team around him, around him as much as well as he has. But there's no one else to blame. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, Vettel, go slower. It's not that. You, you, but it's, it is really better for everyone, including Vettel in many ways, to not have so many wins coming to him so easily. Do you know what I mean? This one wasn't an easy one, but so many others have. I mean, Singapore, I think, is one that was laughable. Yeah. Right. And, I mean, I guess if you really want to look around and, and blame and figure something out, you could think, okay, well, is it is it the series doing the right thing to balance people? But then you don't want it balanced in such a way like a rewards weight where it's like, right. oh, you're fast, yeah. so now I'm going to make you slow so that everybody's slow. Like, you don't want that. I mean, ultimately what you want is a bunch of people – innovating in different areas so that you don't know what's going to happen and you know it's just some really clever people that came up with something better than everyone else and they do well so i think right now being at the end of this technological era with the powertrains and curries and everything being what they are everything's going to be very different next year um I, you know and being the end of this season um you know i doubt mercedes for example is going to come out with some groundbreaking new thing you know every all the efforts really must be focused on next year and you know, starting to, to design good stuff. So you would so, say groundbreaking new thing, you mean for 2013, for the last four races? Right, yeah. yeah. For, like, for, you know, next race, it's like, okay, we're all on flyaways. We're on the last little sort of leg of the season here. You know, there's not any more testing to do with everyone. So it's, it's time and effort and energy and engineering is focused on next year. And to a certain extent, you know, no one else is in the championship, uh, constructors championship running now anyway. So why would Ferrari go spend bajillions more dollars to get a couple extra points? Like, they're just so far back. So things are kind of what they are. And... So I think, yeah, it's sort of settled down. There's not a good reason to think that um, Red Bull slash Vettel aren't going to be really strong on, on the rest of the circuits, really. Um, and, you know, that that's just kind of going to be the way that it is. But that doesn't make me want to stop watching. I mean, there's still, you know, apparently Jeep's driving on track. I still, still want to watch that race. Yeah. You know, um, and there's still interest. And, and, and you know, even seeing... though Even though you know some bits about Korea, it, um, that one, it, I, was, I was by myself, middle of the night, tired. And that race absolutely kept me engaged the entire time it was quite good nice well uh yeah i'll have to uh you know find a way to to watch that because my my systems failed me on that one um so either way um that's that's it for now we've got uh two weeks time we'll have coverage from india and uh thank you very much as always for listening and i am jim Lau. And I am Robin Warner, and I would like to close with a poem. See, it's like, I just kind of knew that was going to happen, so it's like not even clever. <laughs> and I'm just kidding, though. Yeah. But it's just a joke. It's just a joke, everybody. It's not funny. Mm. But I, well, I, hey, I bet you at least two people laugh. We'll never know. And we can assume safely that they did not. <laughs> oh, you, you just laughed. laughed. You just oh. laughed. That's two.